0: Generally speaking, I can only watch a movie one time. It's often just a been there, done that boring kind of vibe if I try to watch it again. One significant exception to that rule though is Nacho Libre. I could watch that movie once a week for the rest of my life because it moves me so profoundly. In the movie Ignacio, or Nacho to his friends, works as a cook in the Mexican community where he grew up. The monastery is home to a community of orphans whom Nacho cares for deeply. But Nacho dreams of what he sees as a more epic life, as a lucha libre wrestler. Since the church forbids wrestling, Nacho must disguise his identity in order to pursue his passion. Nacho himself wrestles with how to reconcile these two separate paths, the epic life that he envisions for himself and a life of service to the children at the monastery one of the epic stories that we have on regular repeat here that is at least equal to nacho libre and how i never tire of hearing about it it's one that i keep getting fascinated with more each year we call it hope lives and it's become an annual four-week reminder of why in spite of so many despairing circumstances that are the tragic day-to-day realities in our world and even within ourselves The story we find ourselves in is one that includes an undying hope. The greatest surprise twist of all surprise twists in this story was when a couple thousand years ago, the creator of our universe broke into that universe themselves to meet us all in our state of brokenness and restore things to the beautiful vision that they had in mind when they created it in the first place. This story feels perpetually new because it's the story of God making everything new again. It's the living hope that God will not stop until God gets what God wants, which is, as one author has written, and I'm paraphrasing here, everything sad finally coming untrue. But not only does God get what God wants in the unique way we've each been made in God's image, We're all invited to actively, daily participate in the writing of God's redemptive narrative alongside God. In Nacho Libre, while Nacho was initially torn between focusing on a life of epic proportions and a life of living, a loving relationship with the people on the margins of his community, he eventually realizes that the life of epic meaning that he was longing for was in investing the fullness of who he was for the sake of those relationships. The long-term result would be that those he blessed could now themselves contribute the fullness of who they were. This is the story and life that Jesus is inviting us to. It's a win-win situation for everybody. Friedrich Buechner wrote that your calling is where your great gladness meets the world's great need. I would also add that as the needs of those in the margins around us are met, we get to more fully experience the gifts God brings to us through them. Here at Southridge, we hope that you've heard this over and over again, but we experience these friendships among our friends, experiencing homelessness within the migrant farm worker community, among those experiencing food and housing insecurity and accompanying indigenous peoples, real people, real neighbors, the neighbors that we have often overlooked and maybe even harmed. To describe the part of God's story that is being written now that we presently find ourselves in, Paul writes in Romans that the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. This verse is a fantastic summary of our most fundamental calling by God. For the story of God's creation to get to its intended conclusion, there needs to be a huge awakening and reckoning with who God created us to be to the degree that so-called regular people, like you and me, see ourselves through the primary lens of being children of God, is the degree to which we and the world will reap the benefits of experiencing the healing and wholeness it aches for, the epic transformation of both ourselves and the world. When the opening pages of the story of God in Genesis declares that God said, "'Let us make human beings in our image to be like us,' among other things, it means that we were made in the image of community. That's why Christians talk about God as a trinity. It's a mystery in the sense that while there's only one God, God is also somehow three, perfectly one yet separate at the same time. It's one of those things that I just can't wrap my head around, but I can accept it when I realize that if it's true, as the apostle John describes, that God is love and love is in essence relational, then this personal God must be in their core a relationship. In the creation, human beings get to participate in that relationship of the dance of God's love with God himself and with each other. Community only happens when there is on an ongoing interchange of others-oriented love, where there's a recognition that Each of our own well-being is wrapped up in and with the well-being of others, which makes it especially unacceptable to followers of Jesus to see marginalization go on as if that's just the way it is. Paul describes it like this in his first letter to the early Corinthian church. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that seem to have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. It's a eureka moment when we start to realize that to the degree that each and every one of us has the opportunity to live out being the body part that we were created to be, is the degree to which all of us will experience wholeness together. When each individual, including every precious and infinitely valuable one on the margins of our world, gets to live into the fullness of who God made them to be, they will blossom and be freed up to make their unique Nacho Libre contribution to others. Then, because of Jesus' intervention in our lives through him and our mutual service to each other, Together, we catch more and more glimpses of creation working right. Part one of our two-part Hope Lives Greater Calling is for all of us to continually let God love us back to life to the point that we never lose conscious contact with the reality of our image of God-bearing dignity. Each of us was made to shine like the stars in the sky, like Paul says in Philippians We can only shine, though, as we reflect the light we bask in. So if I want to shine in the unique way God made me to shine, I've got to keep basking in the light of God's love again and again, or better said, maybe in an on-and-on constant kind of a way. So that means I've got to cultivate whatever habits I can to improve my conscious contact with God, like it says in the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. When we do this, we can live into part two of our hope lives greater calling, which is to live in true mutuality with each other by participating in serving each other, especially among those in various kinds of distress to become unleashed so they can shine like stars as well. When we cultivate a lifestyle of improving our conscious contact with God, we will increasingly feel God's nudges to participate with God in the liberation of others in very specific ways and also be increasingly open to how God wants to use those relationships to further liberate us. Sometimes it will be a nudge towards just introducing yourself to someone or sharing a one-off kind word or gesture sometimes it will be addressing someone else's immediate need with dignity in a way that doesn't diminish their humanity and just leaving it at that and at other times the invitation will be to initiate and cultivate a friendship with someone who might have very different life experiences than you as mandy shared last week in her friendship with peter when done in the spirit of the incarnate jesus and in Initial introductory conversation has the potential to flourish into a friendship that makes the difference in both people's lives. It's like Paul wrote to the Corinthians when he was appealing to their financial generosity. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is not one-sided charity, but equality. In fact, I encourage you to ask God about and look for how God wants to use their plenty to supply what you need. This opens up the possibility of discovering that though we may look very different on the surface, when we peel back the onion a few layers, we realize that we are way more alike in our neediness than we are different. Like Nacho, like me, like you, at our core, we all just wanna belong. We all want our lives to matter. We all want to make a meaningful contribution. We all want to know and be known, celebrate and be celebrated, simply be loved and be loved. So now let's finally take a look at some of the practical ways we can put this second part of our calling to love as we've been loved by Jesus into practice. In the words of our mentor, Nacho Libre, so anyways, let's get down to the needy-greedy. Some practices that come to mind when attempting to engage in living out a Jesus-shaped love include holding a posture of welcome, curiosity, and vulnerability. But before I describe what that looks like, the most fundamental practical thing any of us could do to even have the chance of living out those things with other folks is the practice of proximity. If we aren't physically close to each other, it's impossible to exercise being welcoming or curious or vulnerable with anyone. If, as we talked about when we had the privilege of uh, Shane Claiborne speaking to our community a couple of weeks ago, we hide behind things like our stuff and therefore build a thicker, higher wall between us and those on the margins of our lives, instead of extending the length of our table to get closer to each other, we will find ourselves more and more at odds with the quality of the kind of love Jesus revealed and ultimately experience more isolation. This is what Jesus was getting at when he told the parable of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16. If we let fear, guilt, shame, insecurity, and yes, stuff get in the way of us getting in the vicinity of those on the outskirts of our lives, We are all poorer for it and really miss out on the exquisite experience of mutuality. But as we are loved back to life by Jesus, the natural response to that love is to get close to others who find themselves physically or otherwise thirsty, hungry, naked, stranger, or in prison, as Jesus described in his parable of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25. When we do this, according to Jesus, we're actually doing it to him because each one bears his image. One other principle that seems to emerge out of the sheep and the goats parable and the parable of the rich man and Lazarus is that the greater obligation to initiate a relationship lies with the one who was more well-resourced rather than the ones who find themselves in distress. The monkey was not on the back of Lazarus who was just trying to survive but the rich man who had insulated his life and heart from Lazarus so he could keep living a comfortable life. The application of this to our own lives seems relatively clear to me. If we find ourselves well-resourced, when we find that proximity to our in some way under-resourced brothers and sisters is hindered by things like a lack of access to sufficient opportunities for communication or transportation, connection, food, clothing, or shelter, or a place to call home, etc., then it's our calling to use our resources to create environments of inclusion and dream up ways for everyone to access those environments. So no one is left out of participating in and contributing to the party of community with their full self. It's part of what I think Jesus meant when he said from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So proximity clears the way for welcome, which then opens the door for the practice of curiosity and vulnerability. When I express curiosity in getting to know another human being through active listening and sincere interest, I'm validating, affirming, and calling out their humanity when I can learn to be appropriately and increasingly vulnerable with the same person in friendship, I'm equally acknowledging that I, too, am a limited human being and in need of the other parts of the body of Christ, including them, to help me become a more whole human being. When I let others in, I give them the dignity of not only being someone who receives from me but also the dignity of being able to make a meaningful contribution to my life. Giving and receiving through curiosity and vulnerability, this is the gift we give each other when we answer the call of living into the greater good of the mutuality of Jesus-centered friendships that the epic story of Hope Lives inspires. As a community, We're trying to build opportunities for getting in close proximity with each other so welcome curiosity and vulnerability can flourish. These include, but they're not limited to, participating in and serving at men's and women's coffee at the shelter in St. Catharines, or the collective or harvest kitchen in Welland. The folks who dive headfirst into these environments are creating space for the fruit of unlikely friendships to emerge while rubbing shoulders with each other around a table with food and drink. Then there's the ongoing work of adopting farms to get close to our migrant farm worker neighbors who are worked so hard for all of us in Vineland. I hear about the reports of the creation of thrift stores and legal clinics and medical services and community gathering spaces and copious amounts of jerk chicken being consumed that are all just an excuse to build a longer table to get to know and love those who every year travel so far for such long stretches of time and sacrifice so much not only to provide for their families at home but to put fresh fruit on our tables as well. I see it in the leaders of our Becoming Good Relatives team who are diligently working to raise our awareness on the issues our Indigenous neighbours deal with daily and to help us learn how to engage with each other in increasingly meaningful ways. I see it when monthly they head out to 1492 Land Back Lane to share a meal with and get to know some of our Indigenous relatives personally and hear about the challenges they face. As followers of Jesus, I think we're going to need to buckle our seatbelts as the profile of their experiences in the wake of colonization gains momentum among us. And they increasingly experience the freedom to bring their powerful and unique gifts to the table of our culture. Or maybe it's the taking the risk of exploring, getting to know an individual you might not otherwise have the chance to get to know through the more deliberate and intentional introduction process we're developing through our growing network of community connection friendships among people who have experienced homelessness. I want to enthusiastically invite you into the adventure of opening up to the gifts of God that he wants to give through friendships like I've been describing. As individuals who are aspiring to follow in the footsteps of jesus through using communication means like our connect card or talking to someone on staff or host at the welcome center on sunday morning we'd be thrilled to connect you with the right people for you to make some next steps to move forward as well please always stay up to date by checking the events page of our website where many opportunities for dipping our toe in the water of the friendships I've been talking about are listed. Please don't procrastinate uh, in engaging in the prayer that says, God, I'm wide open to you, messing with my life in new ways, through new relationships with people I might not meet if I didn't go with Jesus into the margins of the world, where many have been left behind for so many reasons. I set aside judgment, I set aside fear, I set aside apathy, Help me to set aside a charity mindset and commit to seeking out the treasure you've invested in every individual I get to rub shoulders with as I increasingly come to grips with the fact of your image being imprinted not only on my spirit, but theirs too. I want to wrap up this morning by giving you a peek at how this value of cultivating mutual friendships is being lived out in two of my friends, Phil and Peter, via video. They're both part of our St. Catharines location, and over the last five years, they have aspired to cultivate the kind of friendship that we're hoping will grow among us. Their friendship started out of the dynamic of the proximity created between our shelter and church gathering space, both being located at 201 Glenridge in St. Catharines. As you'll observe, after an initial risk-taking of being open to relationship through the open door of joining a life group at Southridge, these two now enjoy a really rich friendship. And as you listen to their story, I wonder what desires God might ignite in you to participate in the unfolding story of Hope Lives that God is telling in the world through regular folks who are aspiring to love like Jesus. Check this out.
1: Like, coming to Southridge, I didn't really know what to expect, right? Now, it was the time where I had to really, am I in or am I
2: out, right? Many times we had coffee uh, through just life experiences that uh, Peter was going through. And uh, the only thing I wanted was to be alongside of him, to reassure him that family life exists beyond just your existent biological stuff.
1: And it's been a great, great reward to to uh, let my guard down
2: and. Well, you've you've helped me with that because I never got that. So I, I really like to share that, even though you know sometimes I've been troubled through the years and we would go through thick and thin. But you know what? We're we're willing to do the relationship thing. So, you know, we're working on it just. Up to today we discuss we, we talk a lot. Yeah, you talk a lot. Yeah. So cool. do you. <laughs> oh no, I never talk. No. no actually we do. We talk a lot. We have coffees together. I think a commonality
1: we have was music. Yeah. That that yeah. broke the ice really well for us. Yeah. So <laughs> through Life Team I we did bowling and stuff like yeah. that and you know, uh, I got to great, meet a lot of great people and I really, really you know, after you know, meeting uh, some of the, the 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 people on the team, I just got really comfortable with, you know, really getting out there and, and, you know, being a part of your life.
2: I I believe that we make both an effort to make it happen, no matter what. I understand that he's got things that he's got to prioritize and vice versa. And we respect each other's ground. And that's what's needed to happen with everybody.
1: You know, it shaped me as a person to understand that you know, all these things in life that, you know, people say are, are, are something you have to do or something that's going to fulfill you, why is it that I still feel, you know, just empty? But, you know, it's it's learning that being close and being part of somebody's life, you know, like this, instead of walking like this, it's, it's, that's where the
2: reward is. I've learned so much from Peter, and he doesn't even know that. Okay. But I've learned so much from him in different ways. He's got a good heart. And that's what I saw right at the beginning, like day one. And, and I, you know, I said, we're going through this journey. It's going to be a rough ride. And it was a rough ride for a long time. But you know what? I... I'm part of it. I was part of the roughness too because lack of understanding what relationships are about too to some extent, right? Like it's a brand new relationship and we're both disturbed in our own ways. (laughs) (laughs) So we've we've walked through the doors and we continue to and we will. Just do a relationship like you would with your family. You know what I mean? Like Patience. Yeah. It takes time. It takes time. I mean, five years with us and I we're there. We're there and we can share that. And and, and I I pray to God that Peter can, you know, do what we've been part of together and pass it on like you know that whole thing about whatever it is you know pass it on or whatever they say pay it know. forward. yeah pay it forward I believe pay it forward with God at the helm I
1: think one of the most important things that that helps in a relationship is communication so listening you got to be able to listen to to what people are really putting out there and and maybe encouraging them that you know it's okay that This is not, it's not a test, it's not a, you can't, you don't fail this. You know, this is an experience and it can be good.